your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 658 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And that song you're hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And today, a very special episode for you guys. We're going to be continuing with our off-season series here of best and worst-case scenarios. Basically, it's just what it sounds like. We've done this, uh, you know, over the past couple off seasons on Locked On New York Rangers. We're taking a look, you know, player by player, going through the Ranger roster and figuring out what could happen with every single player in a worst case scenario as well as a best case scenario. And today we're going to zero in on what I believe could and maybe even should and probably will be the Rangers' second line to open up the season. You never know. They could always go in a different direction or this line and other line combinations could all be juggled, you know, as the season progresses. But I do think uh, the second line to start the season for the New York Rangers will end up being Artemi Panarin on the left wing, Vincent Trocek at center, and then Capo Caco on the right wing. So we're going to zero in on those three players. We have no time to waste here. Let's just dive right into it. We'll start with Artemi Panarin, go from left to right here, as we always do. Uh, as far as, you know, his contract situation, Artemi Panarin is now 30 years old. He hit the big 3-0. He is entering the fourth year of a seven-year, $81.5 million contract. That is an average annual value of $11.642 million per season. That also makes Panarin uh, the second highest paid player in the NHL. In terms of average annual value, he trails only Connor McDavid in that department. McDavid makes uh, $12.5 million per season. And as far as last year is concerned for Artemi Panarin, 75 games, 22 goals, a career-high 74 assists, and a new career high of 96 points. He topped his previous career high of 95 points, which he actually had during his first season with the New York Rangers. He's now going into year four. Uh, he was also a plus 21 this past season. That was the third best mark of his career. And he smashed his previous career high as far as points are concerned on the power play. He had five power play goals, 32 power play assists. So he had 37 points on the man advantage. Uh, his previous career best there was 25 which he set the previous year with the New York Rangers. As far as best and worst case scenarios, we'll start with the worst. We'll work our way to the best. That's always a good way to do this and, you know, kind of end with the positives and glass half full and all that good stuff. Uh, I think in a worst case scenario, and this isn't really Panarin's fault that much, but I think in a worst case scenario, you could see a situation where as far as, you know, the fan base is concerned, there could be like a little bit of what I would call Panarin fatigue you know, he is in year four with the New York Rangers. He's, he's been here for three years. He's going into year four. So we're kind of at that point where the honeymoon phase is over. Artemi Panarin isn't really the shiny new toy anymore. You know, he's been here. And at a certain point, I think you almost kind of tend to take what he does for granted at least a little bit. You just figure you can pencil him in to be a phenomenal player and somebody who's well above a point per game per season. And I think the fans, you know generally speaking, still like Artemi Panarin, but he did have a little bit of a rough showing for himself in the playoffs this past season. You know, obviously, the, the points were 
kind of there. You know, 16 points in 20 games, that's nothing to sneeze at. And he also had, obviously, uh, as big of a goal as you can score in the Stanley Cup playoffs, that being a Game 7 overtime winner against the Pittsburgh Penguins. But even despite all those, you know, fairly impressive accolades that he had for himself in the playoffs, Panarin just wasn't Panarin uh, when the playoffs were happening last season. And I think anybody that watched the Ranger run would probably agree with that. You know, certainly he had his moments here and there, but he just didn't take over games the way that, you know, we expect the bread man to take over games. I think that's kind of the long and short of it. And on top of that, you know, given the fact that once again, he did have a little bit of a shaky uh, playoff run this past season, I could see where fans, you know, maybe, I don't want to say turn on him because again, how can you like fully turn on a player who does what he does on a pretty much night in and night out basis? But we could be at a point where fans are very, very demanding of our Temi Panarin. On one hand, that's not entirely unwarranted when you consider, you know, the the expectations that he's basically set for himself, how high he set the bar for himself. When you also consider the fact that, as I already mentioned, he is the second highest paid player in the NHL. And when you also consider the fact that, you know, the Rangers have a tight salary cap situation right now. And that wasn't really an issue when Artemi Panarin was first signed because the Rangers were going into the rebuild. They had traded away all their expensive contracts. And yeah, Panarin was making a lot of money, but it didn't really matter because the Rangers were, you know, again, just starting the rebuild and nowhere near the salary cap limitation. So now I think he becomes a little bit more of a target from the fans for all those reasons that I just mentioned. And especially because, again, he's taking up a big chunk of the salary cap, you know, space and it kind of limits what the Rangers can do. Uh, I think also in a worst case scenario, uh, Panarin has another rough playoff outing. And again, not that he was like terrible last year, but you just expect so much more from him. There were too many instances where he kind of just made a no look behind the back, backhand pass to no one and it gets intercepted and it's going the other way. And a couple times where he was a little sloppy with the puck, was turning the puck over. Again, the, the points were a respectable amount, 16 and 20 games, but just not superstar Artemi Panarin stuff that we're used to seeing, uh, like I said, on a night-in and night-out basis. So that's a worst case. As far as a best case, I mean, look, the sky is the limit for Artemi Panarin. You guys have seen this guy in action over these past three years. You watch this team night-in and night-out like I do, and you know just how talented this guy is. I mean, in a best-case scenario, I think he's right up there uh, for a Hart Trophy nomination, maybe even a Hart Trophy victory. I would think at this point, it would might be a little bit harder for Artemi Panarin to win the Hart Trophy because it does go to the most valuable player. And when you're sharing the ice with guys like Mika Zibanejad, who just gets better and better and better, and Chris Kreider, who just scored 52 goals, and Adam Fox, who's an elite defenseman, and Igor Shesterkin, who I think is the best goalie on the planet right now, it becomes a little bit harder to win MVP when you are on a team that has that many outstanding players. Whereas two years ago, I thought Panarin you know, kind of carried this team a little bit and uh, would have been a worthy winner of the heart, as well as the Ted Lindsay. He was nominated for both, but did not win either. But in a best case scenario, he's right there at that level. You know, he's, he's a heart trophy you know, at least in the conversation for potentially uh, winning a Hart Trophy this upcoming season. It will be hard because he has such a great supporting cast, but I think uh, at least in the mix is certainly possible. Also, 100 points in a best-case scenario for the first time in Artemi Panarin's career. I mean, why not? You know, he's flirted with it in the past. This past year, as I mentioned, a career-high 96 points in 75 games. Uh, the year before that was the pandemic season, and Panarin uh, played in only 42 games and had 58 points. The year before that, which was his first with the Rangers, Panarin had 95 points in 69 games. So it's well within reach as far as Artemi Panarin is concerned, potentially getting to 100 points. And I think, you know, something that 
certainly bolsters his chances of doing that is very simply if he plays in all 82 games this upcoming season, or at least close to it, you know, 79, 80 games, somewhere in that range. If he does that, you know, he might be right on the pace to get 100 points because, again, he came very, very close. He fell just four points short this past season, and he did that while missing seven games. You give Artemi Panarin an extra seven games, he can certainly get you four points. So I think, uh, again, you know, if he is able to play, in, a, in the vast majority of games this upcoming season, you're going to see Artemi Panarin uh, break the 100-point barrier for the first time in his career. I think in a best-case scenario, a killer playoff run. All eyes are going to be on Artemi Panarin when the postseason happens. And of course, yes, the Rangers, they have to grind their way and get their way into the playoffs this season just like they did uh, this past season, just like every team has to do every season. But I think given the season that the Rangers just had and the players that they have on this team certainly expect the Rangers to be a playoff team for this upcoming season. And in a best-case scenario, he goes off in the playoffs. This guy can go from, uh, you know, kind of the, I mean, maybe not quite the GOAT of last year's playoff run, but somebody that drew some ire from some fans in last season's playoff run, he can go from that to being an absolute hero and an absolute legend. If he goes on a, just a crazy playoff run this year, takes over games the way that he's capable of doing, and leads the Rangers to a Stanley Cup. Instant legend at that point. That's what you're dealing with when you've got a team that's won just one Stanley Cup in the past 82 years. If somebody has a big playoff run for this team, and it results in them winning a Stanley Cup, instant legend. It's as simple as that. Uh, I think in a best-case scenario, he does better with Vincent Trocek than he's done with any of his other linemates. You know, you look at Trocek, he might be the most complete player, the most complete linemate that Artemi Panarin has had the opportunity to play with since he's been on the New York Rangers. You look at guys who have been there, you know, with Panarin over these past few years, Strom, Kopp, Faust, I mean, Blackwell, Vetrano very briefly. A lot of guys have come and gone. You know, Lafreniere and Kako have both had cameos on the Panarin line for sure. I don't think any of them have as strong of an all-around game as Trocek. Now, guys like Lafreniere, guys like Kako, they could still get there. But as far as current day is concerned, yeah, I think Trocek is the most complete player uh, among all of them. And something else that would be absolutely huge for Artemi Panarin to do this upcoming season, and I sort of just alluded to it, but he elevates Capo Kako. He gets Capo Kako to that level that we all want to see him reach. And this might be the single biggest thing that Artemi Panarin can do to help the Rangers in a best-case scenario for this upcoming season. You know, I, I say that, and then on second thought, I would say probably the big postseason. The big postseason showing from Artemi Panarin would be the biggest thing that he could do. But I would put this right after it. We want to get the Capo Caco that the Rangers all thought that they were drafting. And we've seen guys in the past, you know, guys that are just role players and depth players and borderline healthy scratches. They've all gotten the Panarin bump. You know, everybody that plays with Artemi Panarin just gets a little bit better. They're more effective players. Their stats are better. If guys like... You know, again, Colin Blackwell and Jesper Foss, if those guys can have career seasons with Artemi Panarin, then somebody like Capo Caco absolutely has to be able to do that. And we could see Capo Caco really take off this season, and it could be due in large part to what Artemi Panarin uh, brings to the table and how he's able to help him and elevate his game uh, going into this season and really throughout the entire season. So... We're going to keep rolling with this in just a second. We're going to turn our attention to Vincent Trocek, the big uh, free agent get for the New York Rangers this offseason. But first, I just want to give you guys a very special message from the NHTSA. Are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive stoned? What's the worst that can happen? You end up driving below the speed limit? It's no big deal, right? Wrong. The truth is, your reaction times slow way down when you're high. You not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. 
If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. All right, and we just want to thank everybody for making Lockdown New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. All right, turning our attention to who I believe will be the center for the Rangers' second line, and that would, of course, be Vincent Trocek, the prize get for the New York Rangers during this offseason's free agency period. Trocek now 29 years old. As far as the contract is concerned, he just signed a seven-year, $39.375 million contract with the New York Rangers. It carries an average annual cap hit of $5.625 million. He has a full no-move clause for the first three years of the contract. Then for the next year, it is a 12-team no-trade list. Then for the next year, it is a 10-team no-trade list. And then for the last two years, he has a 16-team no-trade list. As far as stats last season are concerned, 81 games, 21 goals, 30 assists, 51 points in those 81 games. He was also a plus 21, which is a new career high for Vincent Trocek. Also had a career high 185 hits, and he won 54.6% of his faceoffs. So there's a lot to like here, but we'll start with the worst case scenarios, and then we'll move our way to the best case scenarios. I think in a worst case, it's very simple. There just isn't the type of chemistry with Artemi Panarin that you would hope for. I think you know, you never know exactly for sure how the Rangers are going to line up, and they could, you know, mix and match some things, and who knows, maybe they start next season with Artemi Panarin playing with Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider. You just super stack that top line, so to speak, but I think they brought in Vincent Trojek with the idea that he was going to center the Artemi Panarin line, and I think that's at least how the Rangers will start this upcoming season, so I think in a worst-case scenario— there just isn't that chemistry with Artemi Panarin. And you never really know for sure until you have two guys playing on the same team, on the same line, if that chemistry is there or not. You know, you can have a pairing that looks great on paper, and then for one reason or another, those two players just don't seem to click with each other. I don't think that'll be the case with Artemi Panarin and Vincent Trocek. But when you've got two players who, once again, have never played together, I don't think it's a possibility that can be completely discounted or ignored either. So I want to at least bring that up here while we're talking about uh, Vincent Trocek. I think in another, you know, worst case scenario, just general impatience from Ranger fans, because if Trocek does get off to a slow start, or if that chemistry with Artemi Panarin is slow to develop in the first handful of games, then you could see a situation where, you know, a bunch of Ranger fans say, oh man, should have just re-signed Ryan Strom, or should have brought back Andrew Kopp, or should have done this, or should have done that. And you know, I include myself in that. You know, a lot of us Ranger fans, we tend to overreact to certain things. Sometimes we'll jump to conclusions, you know, way too early. And if Vincent Trocek, who was once again the guy that the Rangers got in free agency, I mean, they did some other patchwork as well. You know, they bring in Ryan Carpenter to round out the fourth line. They bring in Yarrow Halak to be the backup goalie. But for the most part, this was the guy as far as, you know, the Rangers spending some money in free agency. So uh, fans are going to have very high expectations for him, and they're going to want him to click with Artemi Panarin pretty much immediately and uh, kind of establish himself as a better option than both uh, Ryan Strom or Andrew Kopp, who each signed deals for about the same amount of money and years, you know, comparable money for sure uh, for both of those players this offseason. I think in another worst-case scenario, uh, there could be a situation where Trocek is kind of outsized in the playoffs. You know, I think Trocek is somebody who plays bigger than his frame, you know, and he's willing to be that scrappy player and just be relentless on the forecheck. But facts are facts here. Trocek stands at just five foot 10, 183 pounds. And to compare him to uh, the two guys that I just mentioned, Andrew Kopp was six foot one, 206 pounds. Ryan Strom was also six foot one, 193 pounds. So he's a little bit smaller than both of them. And again, I do think he plays bigger than his frame would indicate. He's not afraid to mix it up both uh, during and after the play. But 
you know, not the biggest guy come playoff time. And we're going to talk about uh, his playoff numbers in just a second as well. We're going to turn our attention to best case scenario here. Uh, we talked about this when discussing Artemi Panarin. But I think in a best case, once again, Trocek is the most complete line mate that Artemi Panarin has ever had since he's been a New York Ranger. And in a best case, Trocek comes in, just fits seamlessly with the bread man, and has career highs across the board. I get the feeling that Vincent Trocek will click very well with Artemi Panarin. Trocek, one of those guys, again, very aggressive forechecker, willing to go to the dirty parts of the rink, willing to, you know, win board battles and puck battles and all that good stuff and uh, can really keep plays alive for the Rangers. Uh, and I, I think of this especially as being important come playoff time. There were too many situations this past year in the playoffs where the Panarin line, you know, was into the zone, one chance, and then, you know, the puck is out and it's going the other way. I think Trocek is one of those guys that can really keep plays alive, and that's nice in the regular season. It's really nice in the regular season. It's absolutely huge in the playoffs. So I think in a best-case scenario, he plays that role uh, for the Rangers, and he helps Panarin as a result of that as well. And as I mentioned before, if there's guys like Jesper Faust, Colin Blackwell, maybe even Dryden Hunt that can get a bump from playing with Panarin and benefit from playing with Panarin, then someone the caliber of Vincent Trocek should be able to get that as well. I think in a best-case scenario, Trocek brings the feistiness and that edge that he's known for. You know, he's somebody who, again, he, he's willing to mix it up out there. He's not afraid and willing to do some of the dirty work to help his team win. And essentially, in a best-case scenario, Vincent Trocek just comes in here, and he's the player that he's been throughout basically his entire career with both the Panthers and then the Hurricanes as well. Uh, just does a little bit of everything. The Swiss Army Knife type of player. He contributes offensively, puts up some you know solid offensive numbers in terms of goals and assists. Uh, he plays with some grit. He's extremely aggressive on the forecheck. He wins the board battles. He's a strong defensive forward both 5v5 as well as the penalty kill. And the Rangers, they lost some of their best penalty killers, at least as far as forwards are concerned. So they're going to need somebody to step into those role, into that role, excuse me. And I believe Vincent Trocek is somebody that can certainly do that. I'm sure the Rangers have designs on Vincent Trocek uh, logging a lot of minutes when it comes to the penalty kill. And just somebody who's just a very reliable player in terms of you're going to get the best out of this guy every single game. That's who Vincent Trocek has been throughout his career. It's a reason why he's been one of my favorite non-Rangers in the NHL for the past few seasons, and it's who he's going to need to continue to be if the Rangers are indeed going to be a Stanley Cup contender for this upcoming season. Because, again, I can't stress this enough. This was the guy, as far as free agent spending is concerned, for the Rangers. They have to hit on it. Vincent Trocek cannot come in here and have a bad season, or the Rangers are going to be, you know, not completely screwed, for lack of a better term, but they're going to be up against it a little bit and having to overcome, you know, their second line center having some struggles. But I don't think he will. I think he's going to fit in great with this team. Something else that Vincent Trocek can do for the Rangers, any best case scenario, complete and utter domination on the dot. You know, in our episode where we focused on the presumed top line, which would be Kreider, Mika, and Lafreniere, we talked about how the Rangers could be better on the face-off circle this upcoming season than they've been in a long, long time. Uh, Mika Zibanejad has improved when it comes to face-offs. Barclay Goodrow, he's very good whenever he takes face-offs. They tend to use him more on the wing, but if he has to take a face-off, he can step in there and win it. Uh, Ryan Carpenter is a good face-off guy as well. And of course, now you've got Vincent Trocek. Trocek has been over 50% success rate for six straight seasons. Uh, in descending order over that time period, starting with last year, he won 54.6% of his face-offs. The year before that, he was at 56%. Uh, the year before that, 52.2%, then 51.8%. 
54.1% and 50.2%. So bottom line, he's a very good face-off guy. And uh, that's an area where the Rangers have certainly struggled in recent seasons, even last season. They got a little bit better, but not really an area of strength for this team. And again, I'm big on face-offs, and they play absolutely huge in the playoffs. I want guys that can go out there and win you a draw. And uh, Vincent Trocek definitely fits that description. You know, if the Rangers, if they're in a spot where they're in a playoff game and they're trying to hang on to a one-goal lead with a minute or two minutes left, uh, you're going to see Vincent Trocek out there taking face-offs because he's good at face-offs, and he's also a very good defensive forward as well. So Trocek is going to you know, be huge uh, in that role as well whenever the Rangers are trying to hang on to a late lead, uh, regular season or playoffs, really, but certainly in the playoffs, uh, it'll it'll be magnified. Uh, I think in a best case for Trocek, physicality. You know, he brought that area of his game to basically a whole new level this past season. He had a career-high 185 points in 81 games, so averaging more than two hits per game, and I think he'll continue to do that as a member of the New York Rangers. He's going to be counted on to do that. Again, Going in there, hard on the forecheck, keeping plays alive, keeping the Panarin line in the offensive zone, and getting, you know, those second and third chance opportunities to score a goal uh, on any given shift. And in a best-case scenario, Vincent Trocek establishes himself as a playoff performer. You know, Ryan Strom's game really wasn't meant for the playoffs. I mean, not that he was, like, completely awful this past season, and of course he was dealing with an injury as well, but you don't really look at him as, like, a bona fide, like, okay, this is a guy you want out there for, for playoff games. Not really. Uh, Andrew Kopp, you know, he got off to a good start this past playoff run, kind of faded in the second half of it, uh, but for Trocek's career, we got to be honest here, he really hasn't done a whole lot in the playoffs, at least in terms of scoring. Before this past season that just concluded, he had only two goals and four assists in 19 career Stanley Cup playoff games. This past season, though, we got to mention, uh, it's only fair here, it was by far his best playoff run. Once again, at least in terms of points, 14 games with the Carolina Hurricanes this past uh, playoff run. He scored six goals, dished out four assists in that time before uh, he's, his team was obviously knocked out by our New York Rangers. So uh, you hope what he did last year is kind of a sign of what's to come uh, for Vincent Trocek as far as you know being a good playoff performer. We're going to keep everything rolling. In just a second, we've got one last person to discuss in today's episode, and that would be Capo Caco, who we expect to play the right wing on the second line, and we will talk about him in just a second. And as promised, we now turn our attention to Capo Caco, now still just 21 years old as he enters year four of his NHL career. That's pretty hard to believe, but that is indeed the case. He'll be 22 in February. As far as his contract is concerned, Capo Caco was a restricted free agent coming into this offseason, and he signs a two-year deal worth a total of $4.2 million. That obviously means that he carries an annual cap hit of $2.1 million. He will once again be a restricted free agent uh, when that contract is up. Uh, this past season, 43 games. Obviously, he was, uh, you know, limited due to some injuries. 43 games, 7 goals, 11 assists. So, 18 points in 43 games. That was a career best in terms of points per game. Not in total points, but in terms of points per game. So, baby steps, I suppose. He was also a plus 9, which was also a career best. As far as best and worst case scenarios... It kind of reminds me of something that I said about Alexi Lafreniere when we did our last best and worst case scenarios episode. What I said about Laf, and I'll say it about uh, Kako here as well, there's kind of a, not even kind of, there is a wide range of outcomes here when it comes to worst case scenarios and best case scenarios. You could see this uh, really not coming together for Kako. You could also see Capo Kako absolutely explode this season, especially if he is afforded the chance to play on the Artemi Panarin line. And we'll get to that in due time here. But first, I want to take a look at the uh, worst case scenarios for Capo Kako. Again, he's going into year four. So 
He is going to be under a magnifying glass, perhaps more so than any other player on the New York Rangers. A lot of people are really looking for him to take that next step forward, including yours truly. I mean, I think it's time. You know, it is year four now. I know he's still just 21, but this is somebody that was considered one of the better players that's been available in the draft in a long time. So I think that it's only fair to expect him to take a big jump forward this upcoming season. And I think in a worst case scenario, Capo Caco gets off to a slow start and that's something that certainly could happen, especially if he's not playing on the Panarin line. This past season, for example, Capocacco had exactly zero points in his first 10 games of the season. So in a worst case scenario, it's something along those lines, and we certainly don't want to see that happen. I think also in a worst case scenario, Caco fails to crack the top six to start the season. Now, this would not be the end of the world if he didn't open up the season in the top six. But I think, you know, by this point, again, he's into his fourth year here. He was somebody that was supposed to be an immediate impact player, and he just hasn't been. And if he doesn't crack the top six so that somebody like, I don't know, maybe Barclay Goodrow is in the top six, and I like Goodrow. You know, he does a lot of good things for the Rangers. I just don't really see him as a top sixer. But if Barclay Goodrow is in the top six over Capo Caco, or somebody like, you know, Sammy Blay is in the top six over Capo Caco, whoever it might be, that's not going to be uh, an ideal look for Capo Caco to start the season if he can't beat out guys that are, you know, typically bottom sixers. And, you know, Jimmy Vesey, that's a rumor that's been out there for quite some time uh, that he's going to be signing with the Rangers eventually here in this offseason. If that happens and, you know, Vesey's out there with Trotrek and Panarin instead of Capo Caco, that's going to be a bit of a head scratcher as well. So I think in a worst case scenario, you know, the optics of that just won't look good, you know, for Capo Caco if he's not in the top six to start the season, especially if it's for somebody who, you know, doesn't have the upside of a Capo Caco. I think also in a worst case, maybe there's a situation where the game six healthy scratching weighs on Capo Caco to start this season. Maybe that's a blow to his confidence. I don't think it will be. You know, you watch his end of season press conference and, you know, he was asked about it and everything. He said all the right things and it sounds like he's motivated to come back and uh, show why that should never be the case. He should never be healthy scratch ever again in his NHL career. And there's a chance that he won't be. You know, maybe uh, going forward, he establishes himself as somebody that absolutely must be in the lineup every single night and no coach would ever even dream about healthy scratching him again. But again, you know, you look at last season, game six, the way it ended, Kako's out there for the playoffs and he had a decent playoff run. You know, there were, the points weren't always there, but there were nights where that kid line was the best line on the ice for the New York Rangers. They did a lot of good things. And then he's healthy scratched in favor of guys like Kevin Rooney and Dryden Hunt and Ryan Strom, who could barely skate. I mean, that's not a good way to end your season. So I think in a worst case scenario, maybe it's a situation where uh, that kind of weighs on him a little bit. I don't think it will, but I'll at least throw out the possibility. In a best case scenario, simplest way that I can put this is Capo Caco lives up to the hype and just goes off this season. He becomes the assertive, aggressive player that, you know, we were all thinking that the Rangers were drafting when they drafted him because we were really excited about the Capo Caco selection. It was a great season to be picking second because Hughes and Caco were far and away considered the best two players in the draft. And so whichever player the Devils didn't take, the Rangers would just take the other one. It ends up being Capo Caco. And you just hope that once again, he lives up to the considerable hype that accompanied him when he was drafted by this team. I think in a best case scenario, Capo Caco very simply just starts shooting the puck more. There was a video circulating on Twitter. I think I retweeted it from the uh, Locked on Rangers account. It was a video of Capo Caco on the ice taking a slap shot that registered at 107 miles per hour. Yeah, shoot the puck. I promise you, Capo, nobody will be mad at you, especially when you're you know, putting that kind of sauce on your shot. 
That is for sure. And if he's going to be out there with Artemi Panarin, you also know there's going to be no shortage of really nice passes that are coming his way. Just wind back and blast it. Or, or you know, take a wrist shot too. He's got a good wrist shot as well. So I want to see Capocacco very simply just shooting the puck more this upcoming season. I think in the best case for Capocacco and something that could really help him, he gets a spot on that top power play unit of the New York Rangers. Now, I personally would go with Alexi Lafreniere, as I discussed in our last best and worst case scenarios episode. I think he fills the Strom role just a little bit better than Capocacco does because you know Lafreniere is an excellent passer. And that's why I couldn't figure out why he was stuck on just three assists for such a long time last season. But Kako, to me, he's kind of the big body guy that can play a Chris Kreider type role on the power play. And maybe for that reason, he ends up playing the Kreider role on the second unit. And that wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing either. At least he's getting some power play time. I think the Rangers' second power play unit in general will play a little bit more this upcoming season than it has in the past. But again, Best case scenario, maybe Kako does work his way onto that top power play unit. Only time will tell there because what hockey player on the planet is not going to benefit from playing on a power play unit with Panarin, Fox, Kreider, and Mika? Probably nobody. So Capo Kako, if he wins the battle, which I can only assume will be a battle for that fifth and final spot on the top power play unit, he certainly will benefit from that as well. And I think in general, just playing with more confidence. You know, there's times where Capo Kako goes through, you know, a little bit of a dry spell as far as points are concerned, and he seems to get down on himself a little bit. I don't know him personally, but just kind of going by body language and facial expressions, which admittedly is not always the best thing to go by, uh, but I do think there's times where his confidence takes a little bit of a hit, so we need to see some killer instinct from Capo Caco, and we will get it in a best-case scenario. We need to see him be the guy that he was in the playoffs for this team. And again, I know in the playoffs, the points weren't always necessarily there, but in the, in the postseason, this past year's run for the Rangers, for Capo Caco, no hesitancy in his game whatsoever. And as I mentioned a second ago, there were nights where that kid line really was the Rangers' best line in pretty much every conceivable way, whether it's time on the attack, uh, the best skating line of the entire you know Ranger lineup, uh, just not giving up any scoring chances, playing good defensive hockey, good puck movement, puck possession, you name it. And, you know, Capo Caco had a lot to do with that. And that's not to say that the kid line dominated every single game. You know, they were kind of hot and cold in the playoffs, as you would kind of expect from guys who were all 21 years old and younger. Or maybe, I think Hedo might have been 22, but you get the idea. Young line, a little bit up and down, a little bit hot and cold. But there were nights where they absolutely were the best unit, or the best line, rather, on the Rangers. And if Caco can play the way he did during that run, when that line was really feeling it, then he's going to have a heck of a season. And one last thing that I'll say about Kako in a best-case scenario, he kind of develops into that power-forward type player the way that Chris Kreider is. And there was a situation last year where Galan, I think a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but he, he told Kako, I think he pulled him aside and said, hey, play like him, you know, pointing to Chris Kreider. And I think it's a, it's a great idea. I think there's a similar skill set there. I think Kako can use his size and his strength to his advantage more than he currently does. I mean, he's starting to do it a little bit more, you know, through these first three seasons here. But uh, I think he can really, you know, take that to the next level as well. You know, just playing with uh, some more physicality and just being that guy that you can't move off the puck. You know, he maintains possession of the puck uh, very seamlessly. And once again, just uses his size and strength advantage that he's going to have on a lot of players to his benefit. That will pretty much do it for today, though, guys. We will uh, continue our off-season series of best and worst-case scenario. We're also going to do our third and final part of our series where we grade every single trade that the Rangers have made since the rebuild began. That'll probably be in our next episode, and then we'll get back to best and worst-case scenarios. This is also your daily reminder that Tyler Mott is still a free agent. So 
Never say never. There's really been no updates whatsoever. Going to be very, very curious to find out where he lands. And the other thing that I want to mention, fantasy hockey. If you want to play in the Lockdown New York Rangers Fantasy Hockey League and you haven't gotten in touch with me and you played last season, just email me or DM me on Twitter and your spot is secure. I've heard from some people who did not play last season. I'm saving your spot in line, and we'll try to get you in there. We'll do the best we can. I'm also going to be uh, migrating the Fantasy League over to ESPN from Yahoo. I just, the, the navigation with Yahoo just kind of drives me crazy, and I think I could do everything about 10 times faster on ESPN. I know we weren't always thrilled with ESPN's coverage of the Stanley Cup playoffs, but be that as it may, I, I think their website works pretty well when it comes to fantasy sports. So we're going to move it to ESPN this year. And the only other bit of news I want to share with you guys here today, the Rangers and Flyers will be playing a prospect showcase series on Friday, September 16th at 7.05 p.m. And Saturday... September 17th at 5.05 p.m. Both games will be played in Lehigh Valley, so that's going to be interesting. We'll see some of the young Rangers and, for that matter, some of the young Flyers uh, partaking in that two-game series there, the scrimmage or whatever you want to call it. I'm not sure if it'll be televised. They did this last year, and they streamed it on YouTube. The only issue there was they only had, like, one camera, so it was kind of hard to tell what was going on and who everybody was. It's not the state-of-the-art television production that, you know, we know and love from MSG. But, you know, if it's on YouTube, however they end up doing it, I'll certainly at least uh, tune in and uh, share my thoughts on that in the next day's episode. Uh, but that will pretty much do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On NHL. Locked On experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. Stay up to date on everything in the hockey world. Locked On NHL, your daily 30-minute NHL podcast.